Welcome to Tita Talks. My name is Sonia Tita Popolo, and I'm your host. It is a great privilege and pleasure to welcome Dr. Lopsang Tenzin Nagy. Dr. Nagy is a professor of pedagogy, the executive director of the Center for Contemplative Science and Compassion-Based Ethics at Emory University, as well as the founder and spiritual director of the Drippu Losling Monastery in Atlanta, Georgia. Over the past two decades, Dr. Negi has been a pioneer of compassion training programs for adults and children. He was born in Kanur in northern India near Tibet, which is known as the land of apples and gods because of its <laughs> natural beauty. Dr. Nagi is a former monk who began his monastic training at the Institute of Buddhist Dialectics in Dharamsala and continued his education at the Drepung Losling Monastery in South India, where in 1994, he received the Geshe Larampa degree. In 1999, he completed his PhD at Emory University. And today, we're talking about the healing power of compassion, a self-care tool for you. Welcome to Tita Talks, Dr. Nagi Lopsen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's so nice to see you, Tita, after so many years. Thank you for being here. We are currently experiencing the greatest global transformation of our lifetime. This grand transformation permeates the well being of every aspect of humankind. Wellness and self care is at the forefront of this paradigm shift. And in 2020, the global pandemic created a seismic shift in life as we know it and its impact loss of life, businesses shuttered polarizing politics, racial injustices, and with a growing mental wellness crisis, the world is experiencing emotional grief and suffering. How can compassion training benefit well-being, in particular at this time, given that the data shows that the mental wellness crisis seems to only be worsening as COVID cases increase? Thank you, Tita, for this question. Um, <clears throat> it's very true that the world that we are living today uh, is uh, really going through a very difficult time. I think that, that this, you know, polarizing world that we, we are in, you know, politically and in many ways, uh, and in particular, the mental health crisis because of, you know, the pandemic, the social distancing, uh, and uh, you know, it's not that the mental health uh, problem uh, is something new. I mean, you know that uh, you know back in uh, 2018, before or 19, before the pandemic started, you know, the mental health crisis in America has been quite high. You know, that one out of four, you know, that. Uh, the adults in America, at least, you know, that uh, that uh, in the, experienced some form of mental uh, health problems, whether the depression, anxiety, or the, you know, some form of uh, problems with addiction, uh, you know, the, the substance abuse and so forth. But uh, the past two years, uh, 
because of the pandemic um, and uh, the need to you know, sort of remain socially distanced. I think that has uh, contributed tremendously to the mental health problems. Uh, and uh, we human beings are social beings, you know, that we seek connection. And uh, in the absence of that sense of connection, uh, we really suffer, you know, not only adults, you know, particularly the, like if you think about the um, you know, adolescents, when it's the time for them to be exploring and building those kind of connections, you know, when um, those opportunities are uh, prevented, uh, it, it it's obviously creates a huge, uh, you know, problem for all of us, but particularly for the, our young adults or the, the adolescents. And that this is what we are seeing, you know, the huge surge in uh, mental health problems. And uh, this is something that, you know, we will have to address, you know, way beyond the pandemic, uh, you know, this current pandemic uh, uh, duration itself. I think that uh, as, as a society, we have to address that. And uh, that's why the compassion is uh, very, very relevant. Uh, compassion, when you think about the compassion, not some kind of religious value, but compassion, at its core is about meaningful connection, you know, the way you connect with others in a certain, you know, meaningful sense. There's a sense of closeness, there's a sense of tenderness, there's a sense of, you know, endearing feeling. And uh, this, that's, that's what I think that as social beings, that when we have a rich, a sense of social connection, we thrive. And in the absence of that, we you know, suffer and compassion practice, you know, you know, compassion. Of course, we all have the capacity for compassion, but if we can expand that compassion in the sense of meaningful connection, a warm feeling towards others, then I think that this can be a, a very uh, helpful tool for us to have, particularly during these difficult times. Yes. Wow. That's really having authentic relationships, right? That's really meaningful yes. authenticity and so forth. Yes. Yes. As the executive director for the Center for Contemplative Science and Compassion-Based Ethics, your focus is on three specific programs, cognitively-based compassion training, social, emotional, and ethical learning, right? See learning an yeah. Emory Tibet Science Initiative. Can't you elaborate on all three programs yet? Tell us more specifically, what is the most exciting aspect as the developer of CBCT, the Cognitively Based Compassion Training? And what is your research now reflecting since the COVID-19 pandemic and variants? And if you were able to give a forecast of what is on the horizon, then what do you see coming and how can the CBCT positively impact humankind? Thank you again for this wonderful question and opportunity to say a little bit about the work we do here at Emory University at our Center for Contemplative Science and Compassion-Based Ethics. It's a mouthful, you know, but we just simply <laughs> call it Compassion Center. At, okay. At so that's right, that we have three you know, main programs that we focus uh, and the uh, Emory Tibet Science Initiative or the EDSI, it, it's uh, a, a, a six year 
kind of program uh, in modern science education developed particularly for Tibetan monks and nuns. And uh, we're already in the second decade, you know, about, two, two, about 17, 18 years into this work. But uh, uh, this has been one of the kind of longstanding uh, dreams, the visions of His Holiness the Dalai Lama to bring modern science in Tibetan monastic education. Tibetan monastic education is very, you know, robust, very extensive. It, it encompasses, you know, psychology, the ethics, you know, the contemplations, of course, philosophy, epistemology, and so forth. But for the past 600 years in the monasteries where this science program has been implemented now, you mm. know, science curriculum was not part of the education, but only in 2014, uh, this became an integral part of their monastic training. So um, now, you know, the science education is part of the main curriculum and it is uh, implemented in major Tibetan monastic uh, universities in India. Now, the second program, uh, we have C learning, social, emotional, and ethical learning. And this is something that His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Emory University you know, have worked really closely you know, on this academic collaboration with His Holiness and Emory goes back to 1998, you know, over 20 years, uh, mm -hmm. when it began with a vision to um, work together to bring the strength from each tradition to advance the knowledge, our human knowledge about human condition. And uh, uh, His Holiness has written extensively and has had conversations, as you know, that you have been part of, you know, many yeah. of those um, conferences like the known as Mind and Life Conference, for example, uh, and many you know, other platforms that His Holiness has uh, emphasized the need for what he calls secular ethics. That is basically mm -hmm. uh, a universal way of, uh, you know, or universal approach to uh, cultivating basic human values like kindness, compassion, you know, forgiveness. Uh, and the, through that, then, to inform our behavior, our actions, how make, we make decisions, how we, make, we interact with others, whether it's as an individual, uh, a student, you know, that in relation to their peers, or mm -hmm. a business executive, what kind of decision a business executive makes, you know, in terms of their business uh, dealings, uh, or uh, uh, a doctor in the medical setting, that how they uh, respond to the patients and others, nurses and other people around. So C-learning <clears throat> uh, has to do with this social, emotional, and ethical learning, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to bring this basic universal values that are mm -hmm. foundation of all the major religions, but also, you know, for those who don't have religious affiliations, yes. these basic human values are important, you know, part of, uh, you know, their lives and that they, they, the humanists, you know, that highly uh, appreciate. It has to do with, uh, again, the compassion is, you know, a necessary element for our human flourishing. It is as essential as like the fresh air that we need to survive and flourish, you know, without the compassion, without this meaningful, you know, authentic, meaningful, you know, warm-hearted, connection or feeling towards others, 
uh, we would wither. You know, so that's why that His Holiness the Dalai Lama has in, uh, worked with us. You know, the encouraged, the guided us in creating social emotional ethical learning curriculum. And uh, uh, we started back in 2015, and now, you know, social emotional ethical learning is uh, worldwide. You know, in the over 23 countries, in uh, mm -hmm. you know, hundreds of different uh, schools, uh, and uh, uh, it's being you know it's, uh, implemented in many many uh, schools. It just was just launched fully in uh, 2019, April 2019. So you know, despite the pandemic, we have been able to you know bring this to many communities and it's really wonderful to see that how the educators uh, are responding to this from around the world now the third program cbcd or cognitive cognitively based compassion training and this is uh, yes that's right that uh, i did uh, develop the protocol for this initially as a research protocol because we uh, wanted to uh, research study to see if through compassion training, you know, one could see a difference in terms of how people respond to stressors, psychosocial stressors, mm. as you know, the psychosocial stressors, uh, uh, you know, are a huge kind of part of uh, our problems today, you know, like that the stress yeah. that uh, feel chronic stress and it is uh, correlated with many of our modern day problems, whether Alzheimer's or the depression, anxiety, you know, burnout, the loneliness, you know, these are the kind of the, the major, you know, epidemics, if you will, that uh, public health epidemic, if you will, that we are witnessing today. Uh, so uh, we wanted to see if introducing compassion training, uh, the participants can respond to stressors, psychosocial stressors a little bit differently so that that they will, you know, develop a certain kind of uh, way of buffering from these everyday stressors. And this is what happened. And uh, uh, back in 2005, we started this and uh, um, has had been, you know, studied with many a diverse population, whether it's college students or the medical students, people who are, uh, you know, surviving uh, breast cancer or the suicide survivors, to uh, veterans and the couples and all kinds of population. Really, in the last, uh, you know, fifteen years or so, uh, and uh, uh, it has been uh, received very. Uh, widely again uh, in the many different countries. And just uh, last year, uh, with the, the support from Melanie and Rob, uh, Rob and Melanie Walton Foundation, uh, that uh, uh, we, you know, with their support, we launched what's called the Compassion Shift. It's a way to, you know, uh, prom promote a culture, global culture of compassion and, and uh, you know, with this, we are now uh, scaling this compassion program to bring in different fields, healthcare, business and leadership, uh, educators for educators and the administrators in schools. For students, we have C-learning, social, emotional and ethical learning, you know, yeah. uh, 
but uh, for the educators and the administrators, and then as well as for in human services. Far more people understand now the overall health and well-being benefits of compassion, gratitude, generosity, forgiveness, kindness, and so forth. How can compassion for oneself actually improve the collective we as a community? Yeah, no, wonderful question. Again, uh, psychologists and uh, the the author, uh, Dr. Daniel Goldman, that you know, whose work you are well familiar with, uh, yeah. you know, he uh, had writ has written a very kind of you know thin book with uh, uh, Peter Singer from MIT. Uh, you know, it's called Triple Focus and you know, the new approach to education uh, in which triple focus has to do with inner focus, mm. other focus and outer focus. You know, focus meaning, meaning the, our attention, you know, so bringing attention to our own personal lives, our own feelings, emotions, sensations, you know, our reactions and so forth, you know, is a way to have that self-awareness thereby we can regulate and manage our emotions uh, so that, that that we are you know more resilient more function function better uh, yes. and the self kind of care is an important part you know that if we do uh, care for our needs our you know emotional uh, issues our struggles and so forth in in ways that if we uh, manage our emotion. This is part of a self-care, you know, that we, if we don't pay attention to our emotional needs and our emotional, you know, experiences and like that. Uh, as I was saying earlier, that in today's world, you know, like that very fast-paced, very complex world we live with today with so many uncertainties and like that, it's very easy for us to emotionally, you know, become very, very distressed. So therefore, Paying attention to our emotional life, emotional health is so important. This is part of the self-care. Part of this, you know, in self-care has to do with uh, self-compassion. You know, that has to do with, uh, you know, uh, as human beings, that we are not superhumans. You know, there's no <laughs> Superman or the woman. Um, we are humans. And the, our human condition is such that we are, you know, the... Uh, vulnerable to many of the uh, kind of the ch changes that happen in our lives in uh, around us, uh, and uh, also we have certain limitations as human beings, you know, like that. So therefore, when things go wrong in our lives, when we encounter certain adversity, whether it is a loss or uh, you know our own certain personal mistakes or failures and like that, or when we feel that we are not quite you know doing well as well as well as we want to see a certain sense of inadequacies and like that mm. this kind of feel you know in these uh, situations many of the people who are high achievers who are really you know uh, who, who, who are not just type a people who really want to you know succeed for excel do well uh, it's often very difficult when they we face such adversities or the failures or the shortcomings in life and then you know end up kind of 
you know, judging ourselves very harshly with self-blame and self-criticism and, uh, you know, in such ways that, uh, you know, we do a huge disservice to ourselves, you know, that so Mm -hmm. therefore self-compassion has to do with how to put our ups and downs in a broader perspective so that we have a way to accept certain human vulnerability, human condition, you know, in a broader context like that of shared human reality, that we are not alone in making some mistakes now and then, failing in certain tasks. Who does not? Everyone, you know, does, you know, fall short now and then. So that sense of kind of shared, you know, human, uh, you know, experience and the reality uh, can help us put our own ups and downs in perspective so that uh, we are not, you know, uh, are t- kind of tormented, yes. you know, adversely yeah. by yeah. such uh, adversities in our life. And that's what, you know, that I, 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 I think I heard you, you know, speak about how tragedies can be such a catalyst for our growth and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the meaning in life. And this is precisely, I think, that the self-compassion it's yeah. not only about self-care, you know, taking care of ourselves. If yeah. we don't take care of ourselves, we will not be in the position to, you know, care for others around us. So that's why the two other focus that Dr. Goldman talks about that has to do with empathy and compassion. You know that as we are aware of our own, you know, emotional life, our own, and then to manage it in certain ways, that we were we will have better bandwidth, you know, mental bandwidth or the emotional bandwidth to be there for others and to, to notice and respond to. And the, when these challenges, whether ourselves or others, yeah. uh, you know, encounter, then we have this outer focus that the systems kind of thinking, you know, putting those events or the incidents in a broader perspective so that we are not narrow in our, you know, kind of reaction to those incident in events, but rather bring this broader perspective, you know, so that, that we can uh, have a way to uh, address those issues without kind of, you know, judging harshly to ourselves or others. Mm. Yes, completely, completely. Lop saying, what formed your mission and vision to create a compassionate and ethical world for all? Uh, as I mentioned, um, our work at the Center for Contemplative Science and Compassion-Based Ethics at Emory University, it really is inspired and guided by His Holiness the Dalai Lama. So, you know, uh, as you know that His Holiness the Dalai Lama is... Uh, uh, one of the, the world, you know, uh, leaders today, you know, that who whose life work has been so single pointedly focused on the well being of this world of all beings, regardless of, you know, what backgrounds we come from, the nationalities, religions, you know, the racial backgrounds, uh, or our uh, you know, sexual orientations and so forth and so on. Uh, as a human being, he talks about the oneness of humanity. You know, that oneness of humanity, and uh, uh, in that, you know, that compassion is what he has uh, 
you know, focused, uh, and the we draw this inspiration from His Holiness. And as I mentioned, that you know, for him, to promoting compassion is about not to just be becoming a pious person, kind of sitting, you know, like is a saint, not like that. Compassion is all about how we treat ourselves and others. You know, that if we have a certain sense of, you know, meaningful connection, warm-hearted, tender connection with others as we can expand, we will treat them, we will feel about them differently, you know, we will have that, you know, that warm feeling uh, will you know, lead us to uh, not only our own kind of sense of security, emotional well-being and so forth, but, you know, we will relate to and respond to the needs of others differently. What we need today, you know, with this tremendous yes. progress we have made in the material world, and, uh, we need this kind of spiritual revolution, you know, what His Holiness the Dalai Lama, you know, calls in the Ethics for a New Millennium, he wrote in 1999, yes. is precisely about the basic human values. These, these are the bedrocks of all the religions and, you know, those who have no religion. And this what this is what uh, inspired us. Uh, and uh, you know, we the, we we actually are really fortunate to have this platform at Emory University, a university whose you know uh, founding vision was also for education to you know uh, it's about uh, educating both intellect and character. How mm. about, you know, there's this vision, educating both character and intellect. And mm. when His Holiness Dalai Lama talks about educating the heart and mind, and this shared vision is what, you know, brought Emory and His Holiness together, where His Holiness serves as the presidential distinguished professor, you know, that, uh, so, uh, you know, we have really, our work at the center has mm. benefited tremendously from this shared vision of Emory and His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Yes, it couldn't be a more important time to have this uh, teachings. Yes. We're living in unprecedented times with the global COVID-19 pandemic and variants, including Omicron, social unrest, and environmental catastrophes. Yet with the right wellness and self-care tools, we can reset our lives and forge a new pathway forward. Can you tell us about the healing arts of Tibet, the sand mandala, and how this sacred art form has the power to impact our well-being, specifically how these beautiful sand paintings can teach us different life lessons and inspire us to feel empathy, happiness, joy, and peace. It, you know that the the another hat that I wear. You know that yes. I look at Emory as a professor and the director uh, at the Compassion Center. Mm -hmm. But I also, as you know, in your uh, introduction, mentioned um, you know serve as the spiritual director for a, a um, Buddhist uh, you know center here in Atlanta, Georgia. It's called Drepung Losling, You know. Uh, Center or the Devangosil Monastery, uh, you know, is a center, uh, and uh, um, 
you know, through the center's, uh, you know, programs, we have had uh, that great, you know, privilege of bringing a group of monks uh, to travel and uh, offer sacred music and dance, but also create this sacred arts called the mandala sand painting that you were so kind to yeah. support the monks and bring them to Miami, uh, you know, that was quite a few years ago. Uh, uh, and uh, the creating the mandala sand paintings has, um, has been uh, one of the very uh, important sacred uh, aspect of Tibetan culture or the Buddhist culture, if you will, it goes you know back in ancient India and then and, uh, certainly uh, was brought in Tibet. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> you know it has certainly a very uh, you know central uh, significance in the Buddhist tradition. You know very Buddhist uh, advanced level of practices and like that. Uh, but uh, um, these art uh, healing arts are also shared at uh, with the larger uh, audiences and populations at times of you know crisis at times of pandemics at times of you know uh, unrest and so forth uh, when where the healing is needed so yes uh, this, this is how uh, the monks from for example Dipmula Sling Monastery in their mystical arts of Tibet tours have been creating in many university campuses, art yes. galleries, museums, and like that for last uh, many years now. Even during last two years, during the pandemic, oh, wow. even though we could not travel uh, because of the pandemic, yes. but uh, uh, many of the you know, uh, long-term friends of the monastery, uh, the monastery, which is in South India now, the, the, the actual monastery, yes. where the monks, uh, they are with about 3,000 monks in residence. Uh, the monks uh, have been uh, creating mandala from there using, you know, taking advantage of this technology. We have Zoom to yes. online and then so that people ah. can participate. And the monks have done uh, quite a few uh, of these online mandalas last year and this year. That's the right. audiences find this really meaningful. Uh, uh, you know, I, I can tell you, for example, in uh, uh, 2000, one and 2002, just right after the uh, hours, yeah, uh, tragedies. Uh, as um, you know, the, the, as you are well, you know, uh, yeah, kind of uh, aware of, and uh, you know, I'm so sorry that you lost your mom in yeah. you know, such. But uh, you see that the, the monks um, they offered uh, the healing yes. mandala. Uh, you know, uh, work uh, as a gift to the American, uh, you know, people uh, then. So like the three months after September 11, like the December 11th, uh, they created this huge mandala at the National Museum of American Indian, you know, just blocks from the ground zero uh, yeah. for three weeks and with the meditations and chants and you know, thousands of people you know, I came there to find a moment of kind of peace. Uh, and then the four months after that, on, on January 11th, 2022, uh, then they began the Mandala at Sackler Gallery uh, in um, Washington, D.C. And I recall that, you know, the, in, in 
winter you know like it's there would be snowing and the, yeah. you know many of the buildings are closed but where they were making mandala we had also an hour of chanting and meditation each afternoon we would have like the three four hundred people filled in this kind of the around the mandala and the uh, the secular gallery had a uh, uh, you know the, the book for people to journal and just amazing uh, how wow. people found healing you know the emotional healing you know then uh, from just having the mandala that the mandala the monks create and the chanting and meditation so um, you know we, we really uh, are very fortunate to have this opportunity to, sh to share this ancient art healing artwork with the audiences around the world our philosophy is that true self-care relies on all four pillars of a healthy lifestyle so that's exercise nutrition rest, healing, and mindfulness meditation. When these four pillars are in alignment, then we can achieve harmony and equilibrium. This is our formula for health, happiness, and longevity. What is your daily wellness routine and what self-care tools do you use? Of I think this is a wonderful, <laughs> uh, wonderful um you know, understanding and the formula for well-being that you have, you know, that certainly, I will say that in Tibetan, you know, uh, health sciences. Yes. Uh, we talk about, you know, how the nutrition of the diet mm. uh, is uh, an important kind of uh, element, you know, that that's very important. Secondly, what we call chopa or the behavior and behavior comes to how we engage, you know, the, so the, whether it's exercise, certainly, but also our, you know, behavior, uh, how we, you know, engage with others, but also attitudinal behavior. It's not just the physical or verbal, the attitudinal, and that's where this, this you know, the form of mindfulness, compassion, and this, so, so you know, the, the, it, you have the, the nutrition or diet, uh, and uh, the the exercise, uh, but uh, in the Tibetan, you know, healing sciences, the yes. conduct or the behavior it includes both the physical ac activities, the exercises, and how we relate to, but also the mental or the emotional attitudinal conduct and emotional attitudinal. So in that way, where that with you know being mindful and compassionate, you know, comes into play. That how do we? engage how do we respond to the situations around that's a very very important part you know that's where that we can see that how you know we can have a certain degree of regulating uh, our emotions ours mm. to how we respond to the the you know the potential triggers in the environment and, and so forth so that's that's what um, you know where you have the meditation or the mindfulness as a separate it gets in the tibetan healing sciences at the second leg and the third one of course is what is called the medicine itself you know actual so you yeah. know yes yeah, certainly these are very very important uh, for me you know personally i think that uh, you know i would like to do be more uh consistent with exercise or the walking and like that uh, and more mindful with my 
uh, eating habits and like <laughs> that uh, certainly <laughs> I did not make that new year, new year resolution but uh, I should have done that but uh, you know for me the meditation is very important and this is something that I do every day you know that I have uh, this the regular meditation practice uh, which is which you know uh, has various components with whether mindfulness you know self compassion compassion for others and so forth yes inspiring yeah science based evidence shows that the more wellness and self care tools and techniques you have and the more positive daily habits you embrace then the more you not only learn about yourself but the better life you will live and the better yes it is about empowering yourself with skills to live happier and healthier life and a more harmonious life. I want to share an excerpt from my book, Sonia's Ring, A Loving Ways to Heal Your Heart. Physical Please. and spiritual well-being is necessary for life and growth. It is what helps to keep us alive, maintains and nourishes love, faith, hope, perseverance, compassion, and kindness. All of this is available for you. So reach out and grab what is yours. Is there any particular message that you would like to make sure that we communicate and share with our worldwide audience? Thank you. Yeah, I would say just exactly as you said, you know, <laughs> these inner values, inner tools are, you know, available for everyone. These are skills, you know, that compassion is a skill, kindness is a skill, mindfulness is a skill, you know, that forgiveness is a skill. Mm. We can, we all have the, you know, the innate capacities for this. No one is, you know, without any, you know, degree of compassion, because even the most hard kind of criminal or the you know, seemingly mm. you know, sociopath and like that there is a spark in their hearts for someone you know that mm. in their lives you know someone that maybe they're all on children or that you know there's someone if they're the right in the right kind of condition that mm. they do you know have the capacity so we all have you know innate capacities for most people have quite abundance actually for their loved ones, for the children, the parents, the friends and so forth. But in today's world, we uh, would benefit by expanding this. You know, we have to expand the compassion. We have to deepen. And there are very time-tested tools that yes. the, the traditions, you know, the spiritual traditions have applied for millennia. Today, science is shedding light on those, demonstrating that how, you know, this, there is a difference, you know, that uh, when someone practice for, you know, for a few hours and someone who practice for, you know, 10,000 hours or, you know, or someone who practice for, if, you know, who, have, who hasn't practiced and someone who practice for a few, you know, hours, eight hours or the eight weeks and like that. There are certainly, you know, uh, differences that you can see in the their physiology in their brain you know circuits and like that so therefore it's a it's a really wonderful to see how these positive you know healthy mindsets uh, we can 
learn these are skills that we can cultivate and that's why it's all in the dilemma when i said that educating the heart and mind you know the yes bringing these as teachings you know in the curriculum not as a religious value because these are not religious yes. values these are basic human values you know we need to stay away from making it as you know a religious because you know that uh, it's it's fine for certain people who resonate with religion and see the connection to compassion that's wonderful but since you know uh, there are many religions and many people also without religion we need to find an approach Absolutely. that is universal that is you know uh, secular in the sense not against religion but uh, without you know relying on a specific religious framework and yes. this is this this is uh, something that we can learn we can uh, enhance can you give us an example of like what would be a compassion training what would be an exercise that like the listeners and the viewers could could do if they want to like a first step to someone who you know who's not a practitioner who understands how to practice meditation or how to what could be an exercise that they could do as some first steps to towards compassion thank you so step. much for this question um you know it's, uh, compassion Cultivating compassion, of course, depends on many uh, factors. You know, it's like you're growing a garden of flowers, you know, yeah. that compassion. It has many ingredients. It needs the soil, the seed, the water, the sunlight, and so forth. Many, many, you know, as more of those conducive conditions you have, those flowers will grow and, you know, the bloom. But, you know, for us as uh, the practice practitioners to begin with, you know, the learners to, to, it has to begin with personal experience, you know, what mm -hmm. compassion feels like. Yes. Know, what does that feel like? So in the compassion training that we have, CBCD, cognitive-based compassion training, eight modules, the first module is what we call connecting to a moment of, moment of nurturance, you know, that connecting to a moment of nurturance. And that is, you know, Think, you know, take a, taking a moment to to reflect that a moment when you witness either receiving kindness, you receive the kindness, compassion from someone, or you shared with your friend, someone, you know, that, or you witness somebody sharing, you know, that just yes. taking a moment when ideally when you received you know kindness it can be just somebody giving you an a really encouraging smile when you are giving a talk you know feeling a little and and uh you know uh, certain about the audience you know how they receive and so but you know just having someone sitting there yes. to giving a encouraging nod or you know that's when you are having a hard time you know the, at the you know the supermarket or the anywhere that the, the, the person who uh, is that cashier does you know tell, telling you how you're doing you know that's just the nice smile and like that you know like that's just few small moments can be or, or, or bigger if you how you know what those exchanges what those made you feel then what you feel now when you 
remember bringing your attention to what it feels like you will feel that warmth now you know that yeah. so you can see that how you know learning to kind of access those moments of yeah. connection the tenderness warmth whether receiving or when you shared with your friend or someone that the other person you know the, mm. how they responded to and, your sharing and, and that's you, what it's seeing the you know testing what it feels like when mm -hmm. you receive or share and in, in there is what you begin to see the value of kindness that yeah. is the beginning of this journey yes i love that so you know then not only uh, so if you can't find that from maybe someone else then you could also do the same exercise basically thinking about what was that main moment that you can connect with your own kindness and your own, like, when did you really nurture? So when we talk about self-care, it's really the choices, the connection, like you're talking about that connection with yourself, the connection with your heart, the connection with your values, you know, and how you can connect with yourself in that authentic, loving, nurturing, kind way. So that then to sort of recharge yourself to then connect with others. And I exactly, exactly. You know, that's it's it's inner work. It's really yes. kind of you know, having the taste of mm. that moment of kindness, what it yeah. feels like. You can ask even like the little children, you know, that when you yeah. do this exercise with the children to kindness drawing you know that have the children think about you know a moment of kindness what was that like and then yes. that they can you know think about oh you know that I fell down and my you know that it's a student who helped me get up you know that I did not have a pencil when our teacher asked us to draw something and then the student next to me you know he broke his pencil to half and gave the half to me and that was moment of kindness to me let's draw that you know that what if that that's wow. what what it feels what it felt when that happened how you feel about you know that when you remember now and then they can sit say that they can feel warm they can feel good about them where it feels just yes. yes, a certain yeah. warm glow and things like that these are the ways that you can vary in a kind of visceral you know, in a felt yes. way come you know, to see what compassion, what kindness feels like. That's, that's the, you know, that when you yeah. taste, they have the personal experience of taste of that, then you don't need to hear from someone that compassion is good, really, you know, it's what good, you know for yourself yes. why compassion is so important. And the, then from there, you can go into, you know, as a social beings, you know, that how much, we depend on others' kindness for our food, for everything. You know that as a, it, it, can we survive without others? You know that. Wow. Right there. So then, this is what we call the making compassion. You know, value of compassion visible. You know that when you see that, then it obviously if something you value. You mm. know that you would you know want to embody it. You would want to see in the world also mm. that's where that you begin in my classes at emerson what i would do is i you know part of my curriculum 
is I created this empathy gym and the kindness gym. So I said, let's practice it the same way you would go to the gym and you would do your weights and lift it or go onto the treadmill or something. Let's practice that. I recommend it, you know, that to your audience, you know, like yes, the, yeah. if it's for the children, you know, for their yes. children and like that, please do visit clearning.emory.edu, you know, clearning, oh, yes. especially emotional learning. Please. Have, you know, at home, you know, those, the, the, the playbook for the children, particularly during the COVID, COVID situation yes. where they can do with, you know, parents can work with their children. You can access, these are free, you know, that, that people can access that from our website. For the adults, if they, you know, they want to learn more about more uh, systematically, you know, this, uh, the uh, CBCD is what, you know, that you can uh, access that, uh, the, the, the schedule for these programs um, mm. from our website, compassion.emory.edu, you know, the Center of Compassion uh, or Compassion Shift Thank you for joining us on Tita Talks. Thank you for discussing the healing power of compassion, a self-care tool for you. And for more information, please go to www.wellnessworldusa.com, www.titatalks.com, and follow us on Instagram at wellnessworldusa, at Tita Talks official, at We Love Tita Talks, and at Sonia Titapapalo. And for more information about Dr. Lobsang Tenzin Nike's work, then please see as follows www.dripping.org, www.compassion.emory.edu, www.clearning.emory.edu, and as you just mentioned, www.compassionshift.emory.edu.